All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Once you find your place in the Word of God, uh, we'll read this passage of Scripture and have prayer, then bring the message God has laid upon our heart. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherith her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to be imparted unto you, not the, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that ye walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Our Heavenly Father, God, as we bow in your presence once again, Lord, as we come to the throne of grace and mercy, we do come in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to thank you for the privilege we do have to preach the Word of God. I pray that you'll take the message now, speak to hearts. I pray that you'd be glorified and magnified. And may you be pleased in all that will be said and done. For we do love you and we ask it in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach a few minutes uh, in this message today on this subject, on what every church should know about their pastor. What every church should know about their pastor. Now, as we think about 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, I want to remind you of the background of this epistle here. Paul is at Corinth and Timothy has come and given him the report of those believers there in Thessalonica. And of course, you know in Acts chapter number 17, Paul was responsible for their conversion as he preached the gospel. And they heard the gospel and were saved. And Paul was driven out uh, because of unbelieving Jews that caused a riot and Paul goes to Berea. But Paul does not forget this church. He does not forget these believers. He sends uh, Silas and Timothy back to uh, help establish and strengthen the church. And Paul had the burden uh, for these people. He was their shepherd. He was responsible for uh, bringing them to the foot of the cross. And, and so Paul does not uh, forget them even though he moves on. He goes to Athens and as Silas and Timothy help them, uh, then once again he sends Timothy back a second time uh, to work here with these Thessalonican people. And, uh, and so uh, uh, Paul goes from that to Corinth and Timothy comes and gives him this report. Now, uh, Paul uh, has a burden for them. He has shepherded them. He has helped them. And so uh, it's safe to say, Paul being a missionary, and every missionary knows this to be true, that when you uh, are a missionary, you're more than just a missionary. You're an evangelist and you're also a pastor. As you start and establish uh, churches, you evangelize, you preach the gospel, you win souls, 
souls. And then after you win those souls, then uh, you help establish and strengthen those believers. And that's what Paul was doing here. And so Paul uh, is giving them instructions. And I think this is a good pastor, or a good passage of Scripture uh, that reflects to us the true heart of a pastor. And so I want us to think about that as we look at this text here, what every church should know about their pastor. Because in this text here, it reveals uh, Paul's heart for the people. It reveals Paul's care for the people. And this is an important chapter because in this passage of Scripture here, uh, Paul is going to lay out uh, how that the gospel was relayed to these believers and how it was received by these believers. That is basically what the first 16 verses of this chapter uh, deals with. And so Paul is going going to talk about several things here. He's going to talk about his per- how that Paul uh, was persecuted. He's going to talk about uh, uh, how that uh, uh, he is seen as a parent, how that he loves the church. He nurtures these believers here. And that is the heart of, of a real man of God. And so I want you to notice some things in our text here concerning what every church should know about their man of God. How well do you know your pastor? How well do you know uh, uh, the preacher uh, where you go to church at? Is he some one that you know on a personal level or is he someone that you just see from the pulpit uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night? You know, in every congregation, uh, most pastors would agree with this, that there are people that you pastor and then there are people that you preach to. And the people that you pastor are those that, uh, that get under your care. They follow the church. They're faithful to the church. And, and they want to hear from the man of God. They want more than just a, a sermon, but they want instructions. They, they value the, uh, the man of God's opinion. Not that the man of God is anything, but, but they look to the man of God because they want to follow him as he followed Christ. And then there are those that just want to slip in on Sunday morning, hear a sermon, and slip on out and go back to their everyday life. And so uh, as a pastor, we understand that there are people we are going to pastor, we're going to shepherd them, and then there's people we're just going to preach to. And so we're going to just be their preacher. But Paul was a true pastor. He loved uh, the people of Thessalonica. And uh, he, so we, I want you to look at some things here with me uh, concerning what every church should know about their pastor. First of all, I want you to consider here in this text the life of your pastor, the life of your pastor. In verses 1 through 3 here, uh, Paul uh, reveals here uh, his life as the man of God. Notice the first phrase as Paul says, for yourselves, brethren, know. What should every church know about their pastor? What should every believer know? They should know, number one, the life of their pastor. And we see here the life of your pastor. You say, preacher, uh, what do you mean? Well, in verse number 1 here, I see that your pastor's life has to do with people. As Paul says, for yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. Paul, we see in this text here that he is all about the people. He's all about this congregation that has been brought to Christ and, and, and Paul has them on his heart. And I think that's one of the things that we should all remember about our pastor. The life of a pastor uh, involves uh, uh, people. It evolves around people. Your pastor can never get you off his heart. Your pastor pastor can never get you off his mind. I promise you that 
There are days that you may not think about your pastor because of the busyness of life and and because of things that's going on in your life, but I promise you this, there's never a day that goes by that your pastor does not think about you. You're in his prayers, you're on his mind, you're on his heart. A true man of God is always thinking about his congregation. He may preach to other congregations and other churches as he goes in and as he goes out, but he never thinks about them like he does the people that he shepherds and the people that he pastors. Why is that? Because that is his life and the life of your pastor uh, has to do with people. And Paul talks about that. For yourselves, brethren, know. He has the brethren on his heart. Our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. So Paul is thinking about these people here. And then secondly, the life of your pastor not only has to do uh, with people but it has to do with the price. Look what Paul says in verse number 2. He said, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. So Paul uh, talks about the price he pays uh, to preach the gospel unto them. And I want to say the life of your pastor involves people, but it also involves a price. Amen? Uh, Your pastor pays a high price for being a pastor, for, for taking care of the flock. In fact, if you're not a pastor, and this is not a degrading statement, it's just a truthful statement. If you've never walked in the shoes of a pastor, if you've never been a pastor, uh, then there's no way to really understand the burden and the responsibility and the load that and the price that a pastor pays uh, uh, for being a man of God. I think a lot of times uh, young preachers, they look at their pastor uh, from sitting at the pew and they, they see him preaching and they see him standing in the pulpit and they see other things that that they see on the surface about a pastor. And sometimes maybe uh, to them it may look glamorous. It may look like something that they think, well, I'd like to be a pastor one day. But I want to say what you see on Sunday, what you see uh, in the pulpit is more or less the reward for for being a pastor. Uh, You really don't understand nor see uh, uh, the burden and the responsibility. Uh, That's what comes throughout the week. That's what he faces day in and day out. And so Paul here... He talks about uh, how that they suffered before and were shamefully entreated. I want you to notice that word there, shamefully entreated. It means to be, uh, it means to, uh, uh, to be insulted and suffer bodily. Now, I don't think as pastors today that that's true about us. I don't think that we are suffering bodily in America. I, I think as far as persecution is concerned. But I will tell you this, every pastor knows that uh, to pastor a church and to, and to shepherd a flock, that you lose sleep, that, that there's countless hours that, that you're up when your people are resting and, and you know that, that you do suffer bodily, that, that there is physical... Uh, uh, there is de- physical deterioration that comes just by being a pastor. And uh, you say, well, preacher, uh, how does a pastor suffer? How does he pay a price in his body? He pays a price mentally and emotionally and then physically. As I mentioned, the lack of sleep, the tireless hours, and then uh, the mental strain and emotion uh, that, that comes through just preparing sermons, preaching sermons, and, and then caring for uh, uh, people, uh, the stress that, that comes with being a pastor. 
In fact, even doctors will say uh, that if you're a pastor, uh, you're one of the highest risk for, uh, for a heart attack or for a stroke uh, because of the constant stress that, that the cares of the ministry. It doesn't have to be troubled, church members. It's just the cares of the ministry. So when we think about the, our pastor, we think about the life of the pastor, it has to do with people. It has to do with the price. Amen? And then it has to do with a perspective. Look at what Paul says in verse number 3. He said, For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor in guile. When you think about Paul in this text here, Paul had the perspective of that Paul, uh, in verse number 3 here, that his words were truthful words. Paul said that uh, whenever he said, My exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor in guile. And a true man of God uh, has his his people's best interest in mind. He has, more importantly, the will of God in mind. He's not trying to get rich. He's not trying to uh, manipulate the congregation or deceive people. But he just wants to be truthful in what God has laid upon his heart. His burden is to deliver God's burden. And his business is to do God's business. And I think we ought to remember that about the life of a pastor. We ought to support the man of God as he goes forward to do the, the will of God. And that is the heart of a true pastor. And that's the life of your pastor. Then secondly, I think we see here not only the life of, of your pastor, but what about the loyalty of your pastor? Look at verses 4 through 6 here. Paul says in verse number 4, he said, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. Now see here, as Paul uh, mentions the loyalty of a pastor, he talks about uh, his loyalty to the gospel. Paul said in verse number 4, for, he said, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth the heart. You know, a man of God, uh, the loyalty of that man of God, the loyalty of your pastor, uh, you should understand that first of all, if he's a true man of God, his loyalty is going to be to that book. Amen? His loyalty is going to be to the gospel. And what that means is, is that when he stands in the pulpit on Sunday morning, he has to dismiss himself uh, from everyone else in that congregation. He has to dismiss friendship. He has to dismiss family. He has to dismiss loyalty. That means that when your pastor gets up to preach, he has one thing in mind, if he's a true man of God, and that is to be and that is to be loyal to what thus saith the Lord. That means to preach the Bible, whether it makes the the congregation happy, whether it makes them mad, whether it makes them sad, or whether it makes them glad. And we all like to preach them sermons that is going to make people happy. But there are those times when you have to just preach the Word of God, let the chips fall where they are. And look, your pastor, if he's right with God, his motive is not to be mean-spirited. It's not to hinder. It's not to hurt. But it is to be truthful. It is to tell us what we need as we need it. And so the loyalty of your pastor is to the gospel. And then I see here in verse number 4 that his loyalty is not only to the gospel, but it is to God. Paul says here, not as pleasing men, but God. And I think that's what a true man of God is reminded of when he stands behind this sacred desk, is that his ultimate goal 
at the end of the day is not to get pats on the back at the back door, back door. And thank God for those. Thank God for people that want to encourage you. But it's not to, uh, it's not to get uh, some likes on social media. It's not to hear people say, boy, you did a great job. And again, I want to emphasize there's nothing wrong. I thank God for uh, people in our church that comes along and gives a word of encouragement at times. And I don't expect that every service, but I appreciate it every service by those that, that feel led of the Lord to say that when they say that. But I know those that don't even say that. I know they appreciate the Word of God because they're there. They're faithful. But I'll tell you, at the end of the day, if no one preacher ever tells you that you did a great job, your responsibility and your obligation ought to be to hear, uh, listen, your ultimate end ought to be able to hear him say, well done, as opposed to hearing those say, well done. And Paul said, my loyalty is to the gospel and my loyalty is to God. Don't be a men pleaser. Amen. Don't try to get in the pulpit and see how many people in the in the church you can make happy. Now, having said that, I don't want to get in the pulpit and see how many people I can make mad. A true pastor uh, does not get any joy out of, out of blistering or, or shearing the sheep. Amen. I don't want to get up and see how mean I can be in the pulpit, how nasty I can be in the pulpit. I think we ought to have the right spirit and you can have the right sermon and have the wrong spirit and still be wrong. But a true man of God, his ultimate goal is to not bring glory to himself, not to get the glory of man, but to bring glory to God. And that's what Paul is saying here in this text, that his loyalty is to the gospel. His loyalty, we see here, is to to God. And then we see the loyalty uh, uh, to the goal. What is Paul's goal? Look at verse number 5 and 6. He said, For neither at any time use we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, he said, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. What Paul says in these, wor- in these verses here is that he had plain words. They didn't use flattering words. He had sincere words. He said, uh, we did not seek, in verse 6, the glory of man. He said, but, he said, neither of you sought nor yet of others that we might uh, have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. In other words, Paul was not preaching for what he could get or for what he could gain uh, in the the ministry. He wasn't preaching for gain. He wasn't preaching for guile. He wasn't preaching for glory. But Paul said here, my loyalty is to the goal. Paul had a goal in mind. And I think a true man of God, your pastor, when he gets up on Sunday morning, he may say some things you don't want to hear. He may say some things that necessarily you don't like. Uh, But listen, his goal, his end goal is to glorify God and to help you. Amen. There's been times as a pastor that I've got up to preach and I knew that what I was going to preach by some would not be received. I was not targeting them. I was not preaching uh, uh, to them. But I just wasn't preaching around them. I wasn't going to call or water down the message uh, because I was concerned about their feelings. I was more concerned about their spiritual welfare than I was their feelings. Again, there's no pleasure in saying things that's distasteful, uh, distasteful to people's spirit. But when you know they're not right with God, it's not going to take much to offend them. People that have loved you for years, when they stray and they get away from God and they back 
backslide. All of a sudden, they're going to get sensitive. They're going to be offended at things that they used to say amen to. Why? Not because your message has changed. Not because your motive has changed, but because their manner of living has changed. And so Paul says here that he was loyal. And if your pastor is loyal to the Bible, if your pastor is loyal to the goal, you ought to thank God for that. And so we see here the life of your pastor, the loyalty of your pastor. And then the we see here uh, not only that, but thirdly, I want you to notice here the love of your pastor. Look what Paul says in verse number 7. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherith her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. When we see here the love of your pastor, what is the love of your pastor? Well, look at verse number 7. I see here uh, your pastor and his sensitivity to the church. Paul says in verse 7 that they were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherith, uh, cherith her children. And so Paul uh, talks about his sensitivity uh, to the church. Uh, your man of God is sensitive uh, to your needs. and uh, to you. He's always uh, checking the temperature uh, of the church, the atmosphere of the church, and the temperature uh, of your own life because he's a watchman. He's the watch for your soul. I see your pastor and his sensitivity to the church. Then notice in verse number 8, your pastor and his sincerity to the church. As he said, so being affectionate desirous of you. He said, we were willing to have imparted uh, unto you. So your pastor is uh, sincere. He loves you. And then his sacrifice to the church. He said, not to uh, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were willing, uh, because ye were dear unto us. Do you realize that your pastor will make sacrifices for you and for your congregation that you will never know about? And if he's a true man of God, he's not going to tell you those sacrifices because he knows that God sees those things. They're not for you to know. There are things that you will never know. There are hours that he will spend behind the scenes. And his wife, may I say that, his wife will spend hours behind the scenes working and serving that you will never know. And if they're true people of God, they don't have a desire for you to know. They just want to labor and serve. But I see here the love of your pastor, the love of your pastor's wife. Should I add her as well in this message that I see pastor's wives that are so mistreated by women in the church and uh, sometimes uh, you will never know the hours and the tears that are shed because of the mistreatment. That just comes with the ministry. But you ought to love your pastor's wife. You ladies ought to stand behind your pastor's wife. You ought to fight for your pastor's wife. And when you see some lady in the church that is uh, is thriving for that leadership or wanting women to look at her in that form or that fashion, that ought to be distasteful unto you. You ought to stand with your pastor's wife and, and never let someone take her place. Never let someone take your pastor's pastor's place. There's the love of your pastor. Stand with them because I promise you this, in hard times, they have and they will continue to stand with you. I see not only the love, but I see the labor of your pastor. Most members never think about the amount of hours. Paul mentions here the hardships in verse number 9. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail. That word labor means the beating of the breast. It suggests weariness, labor, a laborous toil. The word travail comes and gives the idea of painful effort, uh, tiring labor. The root word uh, suggests difficulty. And you'll never know the hardships that your pastor will go through. It reveals not only your pastor's hardship 
when we talk about his labor, but we talk, it reveals your pastor and his heart. As Paul said, for we labor night and day. And we think about here uh, the pastor, and we think about his heart. We think about how that uh, he has been faithful. We think about his labor and his service. And then uh, your pastor and his hope, as the Bible uh, talks about in verse number uh, verse number 9 again. He said, we would not be uh, unchargeable unto, unto any of you. He said, well, for we preach unto you the gospel of God. So when you think about your pastor, you think about his hardships, we think about his heart, and we think about his hope. And this reveals uh, the labor of your pastor. And then the leadership of your pastor. Look at verse number 10. Look at what Paul says in verse number 10 here. He says in verse number 10, he says, Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holy and justly and unblamably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. When you think about the word holy, that word holy means to be pure from all crime, religious, um, observant of everything, Every duty, careful to fulfill every obligation. And a true man of God, his leadership is that he'll be pure from crime. He'll uh, be one that is, is careful to fulfill his obligation and that he is always observant of every duty. You think about your pastor and his leadership. Does he meet those qualifications? And then uh, Paul talks about here uh, another word that he mentions uh, as Paul mentions not only his walk in verse 10, but he mentions his words as he says, and you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. Paul mentions his walk. He mentions his words uh, in verse number 11. Paul was a man that, that uh, he fathered the church. He, 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 he provided that leadership. And that word unblameably, I also want to mention this in verse number 10. It means faultless. Uh, nothing could be said against. As we tie these two verses together, Paul's work and Paul's words, we see that Paul was a man of integrity. He was a man that could be respected. Is that your pastor? Is your pastor a man of integrity? Is your pastor someone that can be uh, respected? You know, those are qualities that comes with leadership. If it's going to be the right kind of leadership, and there'll be integrity, there'll be respect, there'll be, uh, there'll be a man that is, is not blamable. If someone put a charge against him, uh, the burden of proof would be on them, not him, because of the way that he has conducted himself and lived his life. So Paul mentions here in verse 10 his walk. He, he says that he has been holy, he's been just, he's been unblameable. And then he mentions his words, that his words were words of comfort. And they charged, as he charged everyone as a father doth his children. He'll take that, that role of authority. You know, I've seen people in the church try to take on that authority of the pastor. And they'll always make statements like this, preacher, I'm with you. Or preacher, I'm behind you. But you'll never hear that crowd say, preacher, I'm under you. It's always, I'm with you and I'm behind you. But Timothy was a man that was not afraid to get under the man of God. And Paul took that authority. And we think about here the leadership of your pastor. And we think about uh, Silas was a man that got under the apostle Paul. He wasn't just with him and behind him, but he was under him. This church was under Paul's authority. And that man of God will take that authority. And then I want you to notice in closing, uh, concerning the leadership of your pastor, I see here your pastor's will as he says in verse number 12, that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. You know what the will of your pastor is? Is that you walk worthy unto God. And a true man of God, his burden, his leadership, all the leadership that he provides is for one reason, to glorify God, but also for another reason, 
And that would be that the people sitting in those pews would walk pleasing in the sight of God. There's no greater joy for a pastor than to be able to look at his congregation and see them prospering spiritually. A true man of God is not about prospering financially. He's not about prospering, uh, listen, in popularity. A true man of God, his leadership that he provides is that the church would go forward, that God would be glorified, and that the people would be helped spiritually. How well do you know your pastor? If you don't know your pastor in those, in those avenues, if you've not thought about him in those avenues, then friend, I want to say this. You ought to get on your knees and say, Lord, help me. Say, how can I, how can I know my pastor more? Pray for him every day. Pray for his wife every day. Encourage them. Stand behind them. I'm not just preaching this to be preaching it, but I preach it to every congregation and to every pastor that is listening and that will listen in the future. I pray to every congregation that you would look to your man of God, love him, support him, and stand behind him. Our Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for, thank you for this passage of Scripture. As Paul, the missionary, the evangelist, But also here, he reveals the heart, reflects the heart of a true pastor, a true man of God. Help us to think about the loyalty, the love, the labor, the life, and the leadership of our men of God as we labor and as we serve. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. I pray you'll take this message now. Get glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.